0: Great to see everybody. My name is Aaron. I'm the pastor here at New City Church, one of the pastors here at New City Church. We're grateful for you to be here today on uh, this glorious September uh, morning. Hope you're enjoying this time. It's my favorite time of the year, the fall time in Colorado, so I hope you're getting out and able to enjoy that as well. We are in a study in the book of Colossians called Rooted, Being Faithful and Fruitful, and today we're going to talk about true spirituality is rooted in Jesus Christ Uh, Before we jump into that, I want to make a few announcements. First is right after our service today, down to my left and to your right, in a little conference room over here, we're going to have a pastor's coffee, and we're going to talk a little bit about the church. So if you're new to New City, we do this once a month at the beginning of the month, and we'd love for you to come to that and ask any questions that you have on how to get connected, uh, what our church is doing in the city, what we uh, believe in, what are our vision, mission, and values, so to speak. So we'd love for you to be a part of that if you haven't heard and are curious. We'd love for you to come. Uh, women's, excuse me, training day is this, uh, not this Saturday, two Saturdays from now at 9 o'clock. This was a huge, smashing success uh, before, so we'd love for you ladies to be a part of that. If you would love to to be a part of that, the information here is uh, on this sheet, the Women's Training Day Uh, We'd love for you to to be a part of that. I think there's some brochures back on our information table as well. So please think about being there and sign up on the city if you're interested so we can plan accordingly for breakfast and whatnot. Also, the 21st, which is a Sunday, we're going to have the Taste of New City. Uh, This is a real simple and easy way for us to introduce you to some of the ministry areas as well as some of the city groups, small groups, house churches, however you want to refer to that. Uh, that are part of our body. We would love for you to be volunteering and serving within your giftedness. If, if that is uh, something you're interested in doing, all of our ministry areas will be represented there. You'll be able to meet the leaders of those ministry areas as well as meet the leaders of our city groups. Uh, they will be there as well, and we'll have um, different uh, food available, and it's going to be a fun time. We'll explain more as it gets closer, but that is coming on September 21st. And then last but certainly not least, a premarital class, uh, Sunday uh, the 21st and Sunday the 28th from 6 to 8. We're going to be talking about marriage. So if you're interested in getting married and engaged or wanting to be engaged, that would be a great class for you to be a part of. All right. Those are the announcements. Quite a bit going on. Check out our website as well. Uh, If you are new and want to get on the city, which is our online communication portal, Uh, to tell everybody what's going on in the church. Please leave us your email information. You can drop that in our offering box on your way out, and we'll get you in touch with the city. All right, let's go into Colossians today. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll get started. Uh, Father, it is a a beautiful day, a beautiful morning, and it's uh, especially beautiful to be in uh, this place, in the body of believers who have come to hear about you. And maybe there's folks here for the first time who are wondering um, what is Christianity all about? What is Jesus all about? What does it mean to be spiritual? Um, this book, especially this passage today, deals directly with that. So I pray that you would answer some of those questions by the leading and direction and the wisdom of your Holy Spirit. Uh, that each of us, whether we're followers or thinking about following Jesus, that we'd be challenged to maybe uh, have an opening uh, of our mind, an opening of our hearts to receive the truth that you would have for us today. So we pray for this uh, passage that it would uh, teach us what you would want us to know and that we would leave here different people as a result. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know who this quote is attributed to, and I don't even know the exact quote, but someone, and some people believe that it was Einstein, said that within every person there is a God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled by God, by Jesus Christ, uh, um, saving that person and enlivening them to who God is and that relationship with God. If you know who that is, um, you're smarter than I who made that quote. But there's a truth to that, right? That each one of us has been created with a spirituality, with a, a, a place in our life that is void... And we try to fill that with a lot of things. And Christians believe that it can only be filled by Jesus Christ. But a lot of us pursue many different paths of spirituality to try and, and fill that particular need, that particular longing in our life. Um, if you just type in the words on Google, spirituality in Denver, uh, for instance, you will come up with a lot of different a lot of different uh, paths. Uh, there's lots of people saying that Uh, You know, maybe a philosophical path is the right path to take towards spirituality. Maybe uh, it's a religion. Maybe it's a belief system. Maybe it's something that you just meditate on and kind of cobble together on your own. And and that is the exact kind of environment that Colossae, the city that Paul wrote a a letter to, or the church in Colossae, that's the environment that they were in. They're trying to discover what is true spirituality look like. And Christians have an approach to that. They have some answers to that. And we're going to talk about a few of those today. But I want to introduce this particular section of Colossians by backing up just a little bit and reminding us that Paul, who was the greatest church-planting missionary of all time, uh, you remember his story. He was on the road to Damascus to kill Christians and became one. So irony of all ironies, right? Right. Um, a voice came from heaven, a light shone. Paul had this experience with God and was saved by Jesus Christ and became a Christian who now went from his former life into this new life in Christ and began to preach the good news of Jesus and start churches and write letters telling people what they needed to know about Jesus Christ. And he's writing this letter to the church in the city. He had never actually visited this city, which is really interesting. Uh, a man named Epaphras had come to Ephesus probably to do business or some sort of uh, uh, living there or whatever it was. And he heard Paul preach the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And he was so radically transformed that he went back to this city, which was a Greek city, uh, somewhat pagan. There's a lot of philosophy going on. But he went back to the city and talked with other people about Jesus and a church began to emerge from the preaching of the gospel. And I go into that quite, quite a bit because Epaphras was a normal Joe. They should have named him Joe instead of Epaphras. He, he was just a normal guy, okay? He, he was a guy who went to a place, Jesus changed his life, and he went back to the people he came from and spoke the good news of Jesus to them and their lives were transformed as well. It's a message for all of us that, that we are to be that kind of people as followers of Christ. Not theologians per se, not uh, super Christians, not super dynamic or, or charismatic speakers. Just people who tell people about Jesus in a very natural way. Epaphras did that and went home and told the people in his city and this church started. And the Colossians uh, later on in their development as a church and their growth as a church began to deal with with improper views of spirituality. Um, The Bible has strong words for it. It, It's basically false teaching. Okay, so people were trying to fill that spiritual need in their lives with an improper view of spirituality, and because of that, they were following a false teaching. And Paul, throughout his letters, especially in Colossians, talks about what some of those false teachings are. And I want to run through those and see if any of them strike a chord uh, with uh, some of us here today. The first is legalism. Legalism. Uh, You may have heard that term. You may not know what exactly it means. But legalism is basically saying I'm going to follow the rules. And by following the rules, whatever those rules are, uh, that is the true path to true spirituality. So I'm going to morally behave. I'm going to be a moral person based on some moral... Uh, um, you know, calendar or moral behavior sheet that I've got for myself, if I will just follow those rules, that is the path to true spirituality. Um, Paul, prior to coming uh, be- becoming a Christian, was one of those people who said, if I follow the rules, if I know all the right facts, if I do the right things and modify my behavior... In terms of illegalism, that is the path to true spirituality. There is also, in Colossians, paganism. Now, this one might be like, well, I'm not a pagan. I'm not, you know, dancing around fire and throwing things at whatever, or covering myself with animal blood, whatever, you know, it is that you think pagans are. The Bible defines paganism in in Romans chapter 1 as those people who are worshiping the created things rather than the creator. So paganism can come out uh, in many different ways. It can come out in sexual relationships or money or other types of situations, career, where you're uh, worshiping a created thing, something that God made rather than the creator himself. That is a simple uh, definition, maybe a, a little too simple, but it's a simplistic definition of what paganism is. It's following your desires, and that is the true path to true spirituality. There were those folks. And then there was maybe more of our crowd, uh, the philosophy crowd. This crowd believed that follow your intellect, grow your intellect, and that is the path to true spirituality. So get a lot of degrees and get you know, a lot of information and, and learn from all the greatest philosophers and teachers of the day. And as your intellect grows you will become more spiritual. And then there was a fourth crowd that basically mixed all these things together. And I would say this is probably more characteristic of our culture, that we mix things together to form a religion that's governed by us. We make up our own religion. And what we're doing in that instance is basically worshiping me. Um, That's what's going on in Colossae. I don't know if, if that's... Uh, something that that is going on in your life. But that's kind of what people are saying is the path to true spirituality, legalism, paganism, philosophy, or a mixture of all those things. And Paul, in his introduction to the Colossian believers, those who said, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. They've been radically given new life because of the power and the calling and the direction and the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has changed them. He says to them... You're living in difficult times. Uh, What's coming against you from inside of what you you think and believe and from outside of what others think and believe are are the true path to spirituality. Those particular things are are coming at you. It's very difficult. And so he says, and I love it, um, he says, grace and peace to you. Okay, so we talked about it last week. Followers of Jesus Christ, you need a lot of grace It's not that you need grace to become a follower of Jesus. That's for sure true. And that is the biggest place that we need grace. But we need grace to continue to grow. And a lot of times, and I've been guilty of this as a a leader of a church, we don't give a lot of grace to people to say, you need to grow. God is directing your growth. God is empowering your growth. It's not me. It's not my intellect. It's not my charisma. It's none of the things that I bring to the table. Jesus grows you and he does it through grace. And and the, the definition of grace is unmerited favor. In other words, God wants to grow you even though you're kind of an idiot. Okay? Uh, I, I hate to put it that strongly but all of us, you know, I have a, a brother-in-law. He's hilarious. He lives in Texas which is funny and, and all that. We talk about Texas and Colorado things but he lives in Texas. He's my brother-in-law, love him, funny guy, was in the military and done all sorts of crazy things. But he said, I've learned one thing in life and that everybody is an idiot. That's his idiom, uh, pardon the pun, uh, of, of everything. So we're all in that place that we need the grace of God, the unmerited favor to grow and to be, to be saved by him. And then Paul says also to those who are struggling with the internal doubts that come and then the outward pressure that comes from what people believe outside of you, uh, peace to you. Grace and peace. And peace is a word that indicates a stillness in the storm. Okay, so peace is not the, the idol of comfort and convenience. Peace is there's a storm raging around me. Okay, there's a storm around me. And in that storm, there's a stillness that only Jesus can give. Jesus or Paul says that Jesus gives us a peace that passes all understanding so that's how he approaches these people in a very loving way in a very grace and peaceful oriented way he says grace and peace to you I know that there is internal doubt there's external things coming at you that may cause you to doubt live in grace and live in peace okay so that's how he starts um He also mentions that there there are people praying for you and that the love that you're showing is evident that you are hoping in the time to come and not necessarily all the great good things that happen now. That followers of Christ are focused on the time to come. They have a hope of heaven and being in the presence of God forever. Uh, And then he ends the last passage and we'll jump into today's and get through it relatively quickly. He, He ends last week's passage by saying that the gospel will bear fruit. It is a promise. It's not something that we have to manufacture. We need to be obedient, and we need to be doing what God has called us to do in terms of living out and preaching the gospel. But the gospel is going to bear fruit. Jesus is growing his kingdom right now. One day he will come back to establish his kingdom forever. It'll be a very tangible uh, presence of Jesus Christ living as the literal, tangible, physical king that we will all bow down to. Some of us as followers of Christ and some of us, it says, will, will, will bow and we won't be followers of Jesus Christ. And those folks are destined for a different eternity than the ones who are followers of Jesus. But we will all bow to this king And the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. And he says that that's important because we're to be persistent in teaching and living out the gospel. We're to be persistent in living and teaching the gospel. Uh, Why that is really important is because do you know that scripture tells us that one of the most uh, powerful ways that people are drawn to Jesus Christ is through the community uh, of followers of Jesus Christ. Now, translate that into your church experience. Um, Hopefully, if it's this church experience that you're experiencing here at New City, it's one where we're at least showing love to each other so that people are drawn to Jesus because they can see a difference in us. Uh, But some of us have come from a background where church might not have been about that particular thing. It was about a lot of do's and don'ts and not about a lot of love. And Paul says, the love that you will show uh, is, is the power that people, when, see, when they see that, will be drawn to Jesus. So that transitions us into this passage today, and this is kind of a, a question that I want to answer. How do you live out what some have called the abundant life or victorious Christian living, or what I would put, true biblical spirituality? How do you live that out? Uh, Let's go to our first uh, uh, teaching, which is in verse 10 of this passage. And I would summarize it by saying this. The first teaching, true spirituality is centered on Jesus. True spirituality is centered on Jesus. It is not centered on legalism, paganism, doing what you want to do, philosophy, or a mixture of those things. It's centered on Jesus. That's not just for Christians. It's for everyone that God created, every human that has walked the planet or will walk the planet. Their true spirituality has to be centered on Jesus or, or, or it's a false spirituality. Uh, he says it this way: Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And the Lord in that phrase in verse ten, the Lord is Jesus. And he goes on to say, Be fully pleasing to Him. Bear fruit in every good work. Increase in the knowledge of God. It, it's all about Jesus Christ. True spirituality is rooted in Jesus Christ. Uh, fully pleasing to Him could be tra- or, or could be paraphrased: Obey Him. Be o- o- obedient to Jesus you know that you're obedient to someone or something, right? I mean, just by default, logic would tell us that as we live our life, we're obeying something. Many times, we're obeying me. We're obeying myself. We're obeying what I think is the right thing to do, and I'm doing that. Jesus says true spirituality will come by pleasing, fully pleasing him or obeying him. I love how Tim Keller puts it, and again, not the exact quote, but a paraphrase. He says... As followers of Jesus, we do not obey Jesus to earn more of his love. We obey Jesus because of his love. See, that, that is the connection of true spirituality and the, the filling of that, that vacuum that, that we spoke about earlier. It says to bring glory to him or to, to increase in the knowledge of God by bringing glory to him. Uh, we talk about that as followers of Jesus, our purpose on this planet isn't to be morally superior to other people or to have all the right information and facts or to do good works. Our purpose on the planet is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And out of that will spring all of those other things. We will know more about him. We will want to serve people. We will want to love people. But our purpose on the planet is to worship God 24 hours Seven days a week. All that we do is done for God. Your spirituality can be understood by what you give your devotion to. So some of us think, uh, I think I'm on the track of true spirituality, and the question can become, well, what are you giving uh, uh, your time? What are you devoting your life to? That is what you worship. If it is not the glory of God, then it's something else, and it would uh, fall into one of those categories. Of a, of a false worship or a false teaching. Um, it wouldn't be true spirituality at that point. He also says in this little verse that we bear fruit in every good work. An outflow of our bringing glory to God is seeing his fruit, his good news, his gospel, the message of Jesus Christ multiplied in our lives and in the lives of other people. It's just a natural result of true spirituality that there is this bearing of fruit in every good work. That we want to see the gospel move forward, and we want the good news of Jesus Christ to move forward into our lives and the lives of others. And then he says, "Increasing in the knowledge of God." Now, this was an interesting thing to say to the Colossians because they were in a, a, a Greek world that had this thing called Gnosticism, which was a secret knowledge that if you were truly spiritual. You had the hidden keys and mysterious knowledge of how the universe worked and how to be more spiritual. And you would somehow, through different uh, exercises and practices, you would become more spiritual. It was, it was like earning your stripes or earning your, your badges of spirituality. It was Gnosticism. And the knowledge that Paul is talking about is not a secret knowledge like the Gnostics uh, talked about. It's a knowledge that has been plainly given to us in God's Word. In contrast to the knowledge of the culture which was highly esteemed to be knowledgeable was to be powerful in that culture. To be knowledgeable in terms of true biblical spirituality is to know God through his word and that is a sign of true spirituality. There's a desire to know God more. Now practically what does that mean for a church? Well for us it means on Sunday mornings we're going through scripture. We're going to teach you in the best way we know how by the power of the holy spirit the bible it's not so you know more facts but it's so that you are closer aligned in relationship to god through the facts about god but there is a knowledge of god that you need to know Uh, i i can tell a believer who is on a track and on a trajectory of seeing great things happen in their life because they have a thirst and a knowledge for god They're at Sunday morning stuff when we're teaching the Bible. They're at a city group learning the Bible. They come to classes to learn their Bible. There's a hunger and a thirst to increase their knowledge of God. Not a secret knowledge, a knowledge that's clearly given to us in in his word. Let me move to the second uh, uh, teaching in this passage, and that is that true spirituality is attained by the work and the power of Jesus we see that in verse 9 and then verse 11 and 12. True spirituality is attained by the work and power of Jesus. Um, Paul, really interesting, when he's talking about how he hopes the Colossians are, are grown up in their faith and how they are, they are truly spiritual as Jesus would have them be, he, he starts with a prayer. And that prayer, number one, is directed to God, number two, it's on behalf of others. And number three, it's for the sake of being filled with true spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, why would Paul pray that? Because uh, this is the answer. Paul believes and knows that our minds are clouded by sin. We seek our own way. There, There is no one who thinks righteously or rightly about God. We all have a clouded understanding and view of God. And Paul says... For the sake of you being filled with true spiritual wisdom and understanding, I'm going to ask God to open your mind, to take the cloud away, to, to, to have the cloud lifted and for understanding to be given to these people. And then he also prays for endurance and patience with joy. Uh, that is true power. Uh, Paul, you know, is seeing uh, in the Greek world a lot of people who said intellect is power, maybe riches is power, my career is power. What he says, endurance and patience with joy is an, an exhibition of true power in Jesus Christ. He will raise up an endurance and a patience with joy in a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ wanting to be transformed, wanting to see God's work Um, uh, 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 evident in their life so the desire to have power is always a dangerous one unless it's a desire to see the power of God manifested in the world and in the life of the believer so we all have this natural desire hey I want want power we wouldn't call it that, we might call it something else but I want to be smarter in my job which isn't a bad thing I want to have more money which isn't necessarily a bad thing where those things get bad is when those, the desire for power becomes something that is selfish or personal rather than to see the power of God manifested in the world and in the life of people around us and in our own life. That's true, that is true power, and it's the true power that's an enduring power, a patient power, and a joyful power. looks a lot different than what we esteem as powerful. I'm going to move on to the third um, teaching, and then... Uh, We'll we'll wrap up our time here relatively shortly today. True spirituality bears fruit in the heart of the believer by the power of Jesus. Do you notice the theme throughout this deal? You cannot uh, empower yourself to be truly spiritual. Jesus has to do it. It, It's his work from the beginning to the end. He is making us what he wants us to be. and, And the fruit... In the heart of the believer is done by the power of Jesus. In verse 13 and 14, it says that we're delivered from the domain of darkness. Delivered from the domain of darkness. Through Jesus Christ, we, we see what, what um, scholars would call true truth. Um, I, I might be bold in saying this, but we're constantly being lied to. We're constantly being lied to. And it's such an oppressive deception that Paul would call it a domain of darkness. That there is an inability to see the truth of God, to see true spirituality in Jesus Christ. Because there is a domain, and this word domain is a, a rulership, a kingdom of darkness that, that is out to deceive and destroy. Uh, uh, we would say as followers of Christ that it's led by Satan, who, who it talks about in Scripture is, is like a roaring lion seeking to devour, seeking to destroy people. So true truth is only seen in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That, that's, what, that's what you have to understand. When you're delivered from the domain of darkness, you see truth Uh, for the first time, and you see it in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let me divide that up. The person of Jesus Christ, very simply, is this. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. His teaching was perfect. His behavior was perfect. His his being was perfect. He was still a man and still God, 100% equally at the same time. But as Uh, The God-man, he lived a perfect life. So the person of Jesus Christ, what he said, what he did, what he taught, is perfect true truth. It has the ability to deliver us from the domain of darkness. And the work of Jesus Christ, uh, some would say that that would include his miracles. But the greatest of all miracles is Jesus dying on a cross as a perfect man For the sins of those people who would be followers of Jesus Christ and and transforming them through the power of the resurrection, through the cross, that is the work of Jesus Christ. It's a bloody death on a cross, if I could be so blunt. The, The work of Jesus Christ is not you sending up your Christmas list into the sky and having Jesus fulfill your every wish and dream okay? the, the, the work of Jesus Christ is not the self empowerment that you desire that Jesus would give you it's not Jesus getting you out of a bind uh, he can do that by the way but it's not that the work of Jesus Christ is the cross and we are delivered from the domain of darkness by that work that is the true truth If you want to know anything about life, anything about following Jesus, anything about true Christianity, you have to start with the cross of Jesus Christ. Why did it happen? What does it mean? What is the power of that? Paul says that he's sick and tired of preaching anything else other than Jesus Christ crucified. That is the true truth. Uh, I, I spend some time on that because I think we don't see that in light of how Paul says how important it is that the true truth is only seen in that person and work of Jesus. It's revealed in Scripture. Um, did you know that Jesus affirms the truth of Scripture? Maybe someday we should do a sermon series on the validity, the truthfulness, the, the, the um, canon, if you will, what the old guys called the canon of Scripture, Jesus affirms that the Old Testament and the New Testament are Scripture, the sacred words of God. Not to be played games with, not to stand over Scripture and say, Well, I think it means this, or I don't like that verse, and I'm going to take that one and change it a little bit to fit what I want it to be. Jesus says, if you want to know and follow Jesus, Jesus says that the Old and New Testaments are the words of God. He affirms them over and over again. And again, if I I could go into it in more detail, I would. I just don't have uh, the opportunity this morning. But that is the true truth. It's revealed in Scripture. Now, what happens when we go to Scripture and we see something that we don't necessarily like? Well, uh, you lose. Okay? I mean, I hate to put it in the win loss category, but God wins, He, He is the truth giver. His word is perfectly, 100% true. Every word of it, as, as presented to the, the writers and how they, they put it on the paper, all of that is the true truth of God. It's able to deliver us from the domain of darkness. True truth will bring, out, uh, bring you out of the darkness and out of other wisdoms and out of other philosophies. That is why we are so passionate about the Bible It's not for us, and believe me, I accept it, and many of us would accept it. We have used the Bible as a battering ram to win an argument. Uh, I was over here at the University of Denver in 1987, a long time ago. And man, oh man, did I love to use that Bible as a battering ram to win an argument. That that is not the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is to uh, portray the true truth of God to help deliver us from the domain of darkness. Because the Bible is the story about Jesus, the gospel story, the creation of man, the fall of man, the redemption of man, the restoration of all things back to God. That, that That is true truth. And we're passionate about the Bible for that reason, We want you to know how does your story intersect with the story of the creation, the fall, the redemption, and restoration of all things. That's true spirituality. We want want you to have that. We want Jesus to give that to you. Um, True truth will bring you out of the darkness of other wisdoms and philosophies. It says in this last section that we're transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. Wow. Wow. Jesus is king. He is establishing his kingdom. And and it's established now, but but not fully yet. In other words, things are happening. The gospel is bearing fruit. People are coming to know Jesus. The wrongs of this world are are being made right. Alongside of, uh, of all the evil that is happening, Jesus is still king. And we will one day see his kingdom fully. If you want to know what his kingdom will look like, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5 sometime and read the Sermon on the the Mount. It's the definition or or one of the passages that is the defining work of what the kingdom will look like and how kingdom living looks like to those who have been made truly spiritually alive by Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful depiction, and i got to be honest, sometimes I fight against even the the beauty of the kingdom because I want to be in control. But Jesus says his kingdom, you've been transferred into it by his beloved son. Notice you've done nothing. Jesus has done everything and transferred you into his kingdom to live the life that he has created you to live and to be truly spiritually alive. And then he ends by saying, in whom, and he's talking about Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption in the context of this passage is... Us being made better, not us making ourselves better. Th- that's, that's why Paul is, is so, uh, he can be loving towards these people who are legalists or pagans or, or philosophers or some sort of mixture of all that. He can, he can be truly loving to all those people just like we can because he knows that he has been redeemed not by anything he has done, but by the work of Jesus Christ. That's freedom. That is the liberty that that our heart seeks. That is the true spirituality that we long for, and we try to find it in different places, but it can only be found in the work of Jesus Christ. See, see, redemption isn't you... Um, making yourself better. I know there's so many movies and stories that portray redemption, and they're beautiful stories, and I love all of them, but it's always based on the person redeeming themselves. You can't redeem yourself. Jesus will redeem you. Jesus is the only one who has the power to bring redemption in your life. That is the context of Paul saying this. And that is why he can be so loving to these people. Because he knows that he's been redeemed by the work of Jesus Christ. Um, um, Being made better or redeemed by Jesus uh, in terms of the forgiveness of our sins. Again, it's not us being better people. It's us having our sins forgiven. You know, it's, it's so simple and pure and beautiful the message of the gospel that sin has interrupted the perfection of god on the planet and it needs to be redeemed and it has been through jesus christ but it has to be through the forgiveness of sins Uh, we talk about the most uh, well-rounded whole people are those people who can come to the communion table for instance and say you know what I am a sinner saved by grace. I am not able to do this on my own. I need Jesus to do this in me and through me. Now, being made better by the forgiveness of sins, the the word sin is is one of the philosophical questions of our day. Uh, People, I think, are really asking, is sin real, number one? And if it is, what do we do with it? And all I can tell you is that Christianity, Jesus provides the answer to this question. And he answers it by saying, sin is real and it can only be dealt with by Jesus. That is true spirituality. It's only through Jesus Christ. Um, When we come to the communion table, as we're going to do here in a few moments, for followers of Jesus Christ, this table is for you. It's a picture of exactly what we've looked at here in this passage. That true spirituality isn't something you do. It is only through Jesus Christ, His body represented by the uh, the, the bread that was broken for us, the the wine and the juice representing the blood that it, that represents the forgiveness of our sins. It is the clear, most concise, most pure, most truthful, true truth. That will deliver you from the domain of darkness. If you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to come to the table. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus, but there is something tugging at you saying, this seems to be the true truth. Jesus simply says, follow me. He will do the redemption. He will do the growing up. He will save you. He will give you a new heart. He will transform your life. And if he does that, right now you can come to the communion table maybe for the first time and celebrate the the body and and the blood that was broken and was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we're so glad, so thankful that Paul, in his writings, to this church in Colossae um, would tell us that it's only through Jesus Christ that we can have true spirituality. It's only through the blood, the the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can have true truth. We're thankful for the Bible, which is your, your sacred word, which we're passionate about, but we don't want to use as just a battering ram to win arguments. We want it to be Uh, what it's called, a a life-giving message through the power of Jesus and through the Holy Spirit's wisdom and direction, our lives can be changed. We want to increase in our knowledge of God through the Word so that we would uh, understand what it means to be truly spiritual, truly whole through the blood and, and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. As we celebrate communion this morning, I pray that um, those who may not know you would be convicted of their sin. They would not necessarily just wear it uh, uh, as, a, as a badge of guilt and shame, but they would take that guilt and shame to Jesus, who is the only one who can relieve it. Thank you. As we sing to you, as we give of our tithes and offerings on our way out this morning, we're, we want to worship you with our whole life, our whole heart. Enable us to do that by your power, we pray in Jesus' name.